So why don't you open your Bible with electronic devices? Uh, you can either click to turn to Ruth chapter 4. And so today, tonight, we're going to finish up this four-week series that we've been in. We've been journeying through the book of Ruth, and it is my prayer that this book has served you well. It is my prayer that you've learned a lot. Some of you have come up to me and says, hey, I didn't know this stuff was in the Bible, or this was like, I, you know, this was like the most exciting book in the Old Testament for me now. It really spoke to me. And so fortunately, we got through Ruth chapter 3 last week. That was awkward, and just kind of some of the sketchy stuff, right, in there, and so we're we're journeying all the way through, and so Ruth chapter 4, and so we've been looking at this the last four weeks about this issue of just, just loss and redemption. In fact, is the title of this message is, is the land of redemption. This is when we're going to like finish the story up and find out, you know, just what took place and what happened happens in this. We kind of related this to like a romantic movie, a Hallmark movie where there's loss and redemption and there's hurt and there's pain and there's separation and there's suspense and, and all, of, all of those other things. And so, so ju just to catch us up and, and so that we can grab this and we can understand this, because I want to talk to you about this issue of, of, of just redemption. I want to talk to you about this issue about, about God is good and God is good all the time. And there's sometimes some situations you and I go through that it doesn't feel good, right? And sometimes we can wonder because when you look at this, it, the most difficult times in our life is when we're going through difficult circumstances. Those are the times that it's hard to trust him. Those are the times that it's hard to understand that somehow he's going to bring good out of this situation. And I'm going to talk to you a couple of those just out of my life tonight as we just journey through this. And so Naomi had left Bethlehem with her husband, Emelech, uh, and her two sons. They go into the land of compromise, and they just they begin compromising. I mean, they left their church. They left their religion. They left following God. They left everything, and they go into a land where God told them, don't ever go. But they, w they went because there was a famine in the land, because there was difficulty in the land, and maybe because they wondered, could God bring good out of this situation? Could God take care of us in these situations? And sometimes for us, that's when we're kind of tempted to move and compromise in a particular area. When we go through a famine, whether it's a relational famine, whether it's a health famine, whether it's a, whether it's a, a financial famine or, or, or something in the community that's going on, those are the times that we can, we can be tempted. So Naomi goes in. To the, to the land of compromise with Amalek, her two sons, and then her husband dies, her two sons die, and as a result of that, she's left with two Moabite daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. Orpah makes the decision and says, you know what, I'm, I'm, going, back to, I'm going back to my people. I'm going back to my church. I'm going back to my family. I'm going back to my people. But see, Ruth, Ruth totally different. Ruth says, I, I, I I not only want to follow you, I want to follow God. And see, what brought them back to Bethlehem is because they saw the goodness of God. Naomi saw the goodness of God and said, even in the midst of some difficult circumstances, God is still good. And it was God that, like, drew them and goodness of God that brought them back to, to Bethlehem. And so they get back to Bethlehem, and they didn't know if they would accept them. They accept them. Uh, Ruth is gleaning grain in the field. She's getting enough grain in the field for her and Naomi to eat because they had some real challenges of, of, of that, they, that, that, that they needed to, to solve. And, and Ruth uh, meets Boaz, a knight in shining armor, and we looked at that. And he notices her, and he began providing for her. And so Naomi and Ruth, they had a, they had a couple of serious problems. Uh, they, they, they're, they're women. They're widowed. Uh, they need food, provisions. So they need food, provisions, and they need family. 
So Ruth chapter 2, as we walk through this, Ruth chapter 2, that the, the, the need of food is, is, like, is like taken care of. And then we get to, to Ruth chapter 3, and the need of family has hadn't been met. They still, they still need family, and see, for them, family was like, would be considered like insurance for us. We'll talk about that. And so it was, it was difficult for them. I mean, it was difficult for them. They had no one to carry on the, the family name. They had no one to provide and take care of them. And, and Ruth chapter 3, and we looked at it last week, like, like Naomi takes matters into her own hands. She says, you know what, I, I can solve this, Ruth. Uh, we, need, we, need to find you a, we need to find you a man. And so we looked at it last week. And so Naomi came up with like this sketchy scheme that was kind of, when you read it, you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't even believe this is in the Bible. And, and, all of, and, 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 she, and then Ruth is a Moabite, and she ends up practically proposing to Boaz, like on the, on the threshing floor. And then Boaz tells her, says, I'll, I'll redeem you, but the problem is I'll marry you. But the problem is there's, a, there's another man that has first right to marry you. There's another man that it's up to him to decide whether he wants than, than, than I, but, but he makes his commitment to her. He says, he says if, if he marries you, then, then, then we'll let him marry you. But if, if he says no, then he says, I, I will marry you. And, and so Naomi and Ruth had to be wondering, what is this other man going to do? Is he going to say yes? Is he going to say no? If he, if, if he says no, is Boaz a man of his word? Is he going to keep his word? And, and so how is this going to turn out for us? And so they're, they're, they're trusting God. They're trusting God through some really difficult situations. And so I just want to give you just three things tonight. And, and um, we're going to spend the majority of our time on, uh, on, on point one. So, so, like, don't get worried that if point one goes really, really long, you're like, man, if the other two points go, when, when are we going to, like, get out of here? And so we're going to get out of here in the same amount of time. Uh, we had this just ADD moment, and I should have told you this before. Uh, we had baptisms tonight scheduled for you, and so, um, so they weren't able to make it, and so we'll be baptizing in the other three services this weekend. This is baptism weekend. So let me, let me give you these three principles. Back to the message. Let me give you these three principles, and, and we'll get going. The first one is this. The Lord will meet three commitments or three things we have to understand. The Lord will meet my deepest need. The Lord will, listen, the Lord will meet my deepest need. The Lord will provide for me. And so this is what we're going to see as we watch Ruth chapter 4 unfold. And, and so we're just going to walk through this together as we have this week. Uh, ver, verse 1, it says, Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer. This is the other man. Okay? This is the, this is, this is the other guy. It's hilarious. Boaz doesn't even mention his name. We don't even know who this guy is. I mean, it's like he doesn't mention his name. He just is kind of his title. And he says, so the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz turned aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and he sat down. And so a redeemer was an adult male relative of Imelech. Uh, he was the one that, that had like, like first right to acquire property and in, in the family line and some other things. And so what a redeemer meant in the family line is he was a person that could acquire the property. And the fact is the law of God provided a way to do this. It provided a way for relatives when there was a crisis in a family, a death of a loved one, uh, that, so that the family would be taken care of. 
in our time, we would say, hey, that's kind of like life insurance or that's like an insurance policy. Well, they didn't have insurance in their day. And they, they didn't have life insurance policies in their day. What they did have, they had family. And so there was a way in which family would take care of family. So Leviticus chapter 24, uh, chapter 25, verse 24, um, here, here's, here's how it goes down. It says, in all the country you, all the country you possess, you shall allow a redemption of the land, the redeemer. If your brother becomes poor, sells part of his property, then his nearest redeemer shall come and redeem what his brother has sold. And so in, in their day, land was like king. Land was like everything. Uh, land was a way to give them security. Land was a way to give them food. Land was a way to give them profession, uh, provisions. Land was a way to obtain income. For them, land was everything. And so this was a way to, to, for, for insurance. This is a way to like keep it in the family. This is a process where the family could, could, could be assured or, or, or guaranteed that the land would stay in the family. Uh, Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10 it, 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 it line, lines out how this happens with a widow and some other things. And so, so Ruth and Boaz are aware that there is a, there's, a, there's a relative, a redeemer, that has first option on, on Imelech's land. First option also to marry Ruth. So Boaz goes to town to, to, to make a deal, to try to figure this whole thing out. Since, but Boaz knows there's a man that has right to marry Ruth and acquire the land before he does. So he goes into town. He sees the man walking by, and he says, hey, friend, why don't you turn aside? Could you sit, and could we talk? Now, listen, Poaz had the ten elders with him. So this man, this redeemer, that like we don't know his name, he must have known, you know what, this is a business deal. This is a transaction. Something is about ready to happen because you did this. This is how you handled this. You did this in, in, in front of the elders. It's like bringing a notary public to a meeting. Uh, a no notary, did I say notary republic? No. <laughs> Okay, public. I said it right? I heard republic for some reason. I'm like, what is that? Okay, so verse 2. <laughs> and, and he took ten men of the elders of the city and sat down and said, sit down here. So they, they sat down. And so now they know. And this, this is a common way that they transacted, transacted business. Verse 3. Then he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Imelech. So this is a listen. This is just a financial deal. This is just a total business. This is a total transaction that is happening here. Mo Bo Boaz, you're going to see, was a wise businessman. He's a wise negotiator. He probably planned this whole speech out. He's planned everything out. And so he, he's he's first. He's first making an offer. It's hilarious. He's making an offer this man can't refuse. I mean, like like it's just one of those deals. It's too good to be true. So verse four. So I just thought I would tell you of it and say, but if, but it in the presence of those sitting here, in the presence of the elders of my people, if you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one beside you to redeem it. And I come after you. In other words, I have second option. And then watch this. And so the redeemer says, I'll redeem it. I'll redeem it. I mean, in other words, for him, like, this is a no-brainer. I mean, it's, it's all financially, it's all upside. I'm, I'm going to acquire more land. It's not going to cost me anything. I'm going to have more land to grow crops, to make uh, 
better, you know, more money uh, financially. I mean, all he could see is, you know what? Uh, it's just the upside. Oh, and Naomi, like, like the responsibility of Naomi, Naomi comes with it, but she's a widow. She's past childbearing years. She doesn't have a son. We'll talk about that. So he's like, you know what? For me, it, 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 this is too good to be true. Now, can you imagine if like Ruth and Naomi have slipped into the back of the room and all of a sudden they hear what Boaz just did and, and they hear that this other man says, I'll redeem it, which meant also the land and Mary and Ruth. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll redeem it. Can you, imagine what, can you imagine what they're thinking? I mean, Boaz, you know, what are you doing? Boaz, what are you thinking? I mean, I, I, thought, I thought you were going to work it so you would marry me. I, I thought you, I, we, were, we were like counting on you. I mean, probably at this point, Naomi, no longer bitter. She is probably, call me livid now. She is no longer livid, she is pro, or no longer bitter. She is probably livid, and she is probably anger, angry. And she's like, this wasn't the plan. What are you doing? And so then... then and, and, and so remember in, in, in Ruth chapter 3, verse 18, when she told Ruth before this whole thing happened, she told Ruth, watch this, let's just read this because it's just so fascinating to me. Ruth chapter 3, verse 18. And so she replied, so Naomi's given her biblical advice. She's given her some advice. Ruth is like nervous about the future. She says, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest but settle the matter today. It's a lot easier sometimes, right, to give advice to someone else and say, trust God. God is good, and God is good all the time. When someone's in the depths of a crisis, be very, very careful about your timing of your wisdom. But isn't it true? It's a lot easier to tell someone else, Especially when things are going your way. Especially when your job is going great, the family is going great, your family's going great, you're getting, the, you know, I mean, you're getting to do vacations and some of the things, and, and life for you is good. For you to turn and look at someone else and say, hey, just, just trust God. I mean, God is good. And now all of a sudden we get to Ruth chapter 4, and now they're both in this situation to where Naomi and Ruth are going to have to live out these words. They're going to have to live out this thing that is God good. And so verse, verse, verse 5, then Boaz tells the man, then Boaz says, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi. <laughs> oh, here's the fine print. <laughs> you also acquire Ruth. Oh, not just Ruth. Ruth the Moabite. Oh, and not just Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead. In order to perpetrate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Friend, I forgot to tell you. It's just not the land of Naomi. It's also Ruth. Not just Ruth, Ruth the Moabite. You'll be, you'll be required to care for her, and when she marries, to care for her children. Oh, and when she has a son, guess who gets the land? Not you, her son. So the land is going to be passed down, not to you, but it's going to be passed down to her son. And not only that, a Moabite son. 
That may probably sucked all the air out of that other guy. So verse 6, then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Now it's going to cost him something. Now it's not a deal too good to be true. Now it's not one of those deals that's all financial upside. And he says, well, I, I can't, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. And like this is the moment we've all been waiting for, right? This is like when you start cueing the music in, in like that Hallmark movie or that romantic movie. And all of a sudden, the, the music starts shifting, the music starts changing, and it goes from drama, and it goes from sad, and all of a sudden, you, you know better days are ahead. And so verse 7, now this was the custom in the former times of Israel, concerning redeeming and exchanging, and to confirm the transaction, this is hilarious, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the matter of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Like, like in the Hebrew, I mean, it's like he could not get his sandal off fast enough. I mean, he is like, quick, you know what, sign the document, let's get it notarized as soon as possible before you change your mind. I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, and, and probably in that room, the crowd, the crowd is going nuts. I mean, there is probably cheering, people know what's going on, it's kind of like when the It'd be kind of like when the Broncos, like, win the Super Bowl. And I know they have, but when they win the Super Bowl, and, like, the crowd goes nuts. Notice how I didn't talk about that team from that state that we talk of no more. <laughs> I'm keeping that resolution because now they find me. So. <laughs> and it's like the Broncos win the Super Bowl. And the place is going nuts. The confetti cannons are going off. And all of a sudden, like John Elway, like steps up to the microphone and he quiets the crowd to, 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 to say something or make some comments. And so watch this verse 9. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are the witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi and all that belonged to Imelech and all that belonged to Kilion and Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, he is not ashamed of her. She may be a Moabite, but she's a God follower now, and I love her. He talked about some of the things that probably brought her shame. But he's like, you know what, I, I know her. And I love her. I have bought to be my wife, to perpetrate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the, the gate of this native place. You are witnesses this day. This is Boaz's last speech. Remember last week we, we heard from Naomi and Ruth for the very last time. And all of a sudden we hear from the last time from, from Boaz. And what, listen, what a picture of redemption. This is a picture of the gospel. I know it's in the Old Testament, the Old Testament. This is a foreshadow of things that are to come. See, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those pastors that believe you can see the gospel from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. Everything in the, everything in the New Testament pointing to Jesus. 
Every, listen, you can find Jesus on every page of the Bible. When you talk about this issue, I mean, this is, see, this is a picture of redemption because, because Ruth, right? Ruth didn't deserve any of this. I mean, Ruth, I mean, she was, she was a Moabite, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon. Ruth the foreigner, Ruth the slave, Ruth the worker in the field, Ruth the servant, now is engaged, now is engaged to Boaz. Ruth the, Ruth the Moabite is grafted in to the vine, is grafted in into the Israelites, much like Gentiles, much like us are grafted in when we accept Christ, that we have been redeemed, we have been, our sins have been forgiven. And so, verse 11, then all the people who are at the gate at the elder says, we are witnesses and we are glad we are here like this day. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah. I mean, we, if we were a Jewish audience, we'd know what that meant. In other words, you just bless them beyond any other woman that's ever been blessed. I mean, bless them more than Rachel, bless, them, bless her more than Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathath and be renowned in Bethlehem, and may your house be like the house of Perez, who, who Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring to the Lord will give you this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Listen to the problem. Listen to the problem. The problem with this book has been resolved in one sentence, one phrase. The Lord gave her conception. The Lord answered her prayer. The Lord took care of the situation. And we, we've watched God, we, we've watched God through this book kind of be in, in the background, but, but a couple of times the, the narrator brings him to the, 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 the forefront and the foreground, and, and he's, Ruth chapter 1, verse 6, he said, the goodness of God in Bethlehem, it, 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 God provided food for them, and, and now, now God's providing a, a family for them. And in verse 14, and the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. You know why? Because God will meet your deepest need. Trust him. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who for your daughter-in-law who loves you. Who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Seven sons is the picture of perfection complete. This is like a it was like a birthday party and they gave credit to the Lord. This is like a birthday party and they're remembering the goodness of God. I, I don't know if you have any birthday parties that you have in your family that you ever that you ever been to, that you ever celebrated, and at the birthday party you you, uh, you remember the goodness of God, the provisions of God. We do in our family every, every year, and um, we have a, 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 a granddaughter that came into our family through, through adoption. And so every, every year when we celebrate her birthday, there's a tradition that our, our daughter, Brittany, had started 
that there's a group of candles over here that, is, that, that, is, that represents her age, the number of candles, like four candles. And then there's one candle over here that's alone, and the, the four candles are lit, and this one candle is lit. And when, when Nessa and when we, and we always talk about it, and that one candle that's alone that's lit, you know who that's for? The birth mother. Who chose life. Because of the circumstances, we'll never know her. Never know who she is. But once a year, at a birthday party, we light a candle and we remember that our family, the goodness of God, our family is blessed because someone chose life. And someone gave life to this beautiful little girl. See, this, this, this is what's happening in this picture. This is what's happening in this story. Naomi is a la la lady that said that, that I left full and I came back empty. But now we're at the end of the book and you realize, we'll just read a little bit of this because for the essence of time, and in verse 16 it says, Then Naomi took the child and laid her on her lap and became his nurse. Because that's what grandmothers do. <laughs> they hold grandkids, right? Like just try to get the baby out of Naomi's hands. <laughs> and the, 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 the women of the neighborhood gave her a name saying a son has been born to Naomi. And, and so they just read the family line and it goes all the way down to David. We just need to move on. And this was how God was providing a way that the greatest king would come into our history. His name is Jesus Christ, and David is Ruth's grandmother, a Moabite, a Moabite that God used. This is a story about Ruth, and, but she's a, she's a picture of a bigger story. And God, It's just a picture that God brings his people from, from death to life. This book starts out with, three funerals and ends with a wedding and a baby and the almighty is sovereign over both and this means you can listen you can trust him with the darkest parts of your life God brings people in other words from bitterness emptiness to happiness can you imagine Naomi holding that grandchild and <laughs> saying, don't call me bitter. You call me overjoyed. Because I, I've seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And God brings people from empty to fullness all the time. Chapter 1, Naomi's hands are empty and, and I've got nothing. And now at the end of the book, you see that she's holding a child. God brings people from despair to, to hope for the future. And, and God uses this Moabite woman. And in fact, as you can go to Matthew and you realize that she's in, she's in the, the, the lineage of, of Jesus. And not because she earned it or deserves it. She's, she's, there because of the, she's there because of the grace of God. And we're, we're a lot like Ruth. We're... We're in that field, deserving no attention, 
but he pursued us, he protected us, he provided for us, he changed our status and no longer slaves, but sons and daughters. And even right now, you can trust him. Regardless of your situation, regardless of your situation, you know why? The last chapter of your life has not been written. The story is still being written. Second principle is this, is the Lord provides for me. If we're going to trust him, we just got to know that, that you know what? The, the, Lord, the Lord provides for me. This is, this is where it's a little bit humbling. I mean, the same God who is working in Ruth's life and Naomi's life and Boaz's life is the same God, guess what, that's working in your life. I mean, he t- continually points us to Christ. He continually points us to God. I mean, Jesus Christ took on, took on human flesh and became like us, and he was born, born among us, and, and he was like us yet in every way except that he did not sin. And he's near to us. He's our kinsman redeemer, if you will. And as a result, he had the, he had the resources to, to redeem us. And he is the one that had all authority over heaven and earth. And he, he came as a baby, and, and he had have authority over sin and death. And he was the one that would tell the wind to be, to be still and calm the storms and heal the lame and heal the blind. And, and in, with him, the sick were healed. Demons would flee. And he takes up his cross, not because he has to but because he loves the Father and he loves us. And he, does, he just doesn't take up a cross. He takes up, takes up your sin and my sin, and he brings it on himself, and he goes to the cross for our forgiveness. And in Ephesians 1, it says, in him, we have redemption, redeemer. He's a redeemer. Redemption and forgiveness. And Jesus alone can promise us our restoration. And when God, listen, when God writes the final chapter in your story, it always ends well. When you, look at, when you look at Ruth's life, you realize it's setback after setback after setback. Naomi loses a husband and two sons, and she returns empty. Ruth is, 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 is gleaning gain and grain and gathering grain, and Boaz notices us, her, and night at the, you know, she proposes to him a night at the threshing floor, a redeemer, a baby is born, and then a second, every single detail was under the sovereignty of God. This means we can trust him in the worst times, even when we cannot understand, even when we wonder why, even if we wonder how are things going to be resolved. It may, it may, be, it may look like in your life there is no hope, setback after setback after setback, but I can tell you this, God is plotting for your good, even when you cannot see him. He is working behind the scenes. He is working for your good. And, and just, just a real quick illustration. I really struggle with this. I've never told this story here. And then we'll, we'll get the last principle and we'll, we'll close the service. But, but it's been enough years now. I, I think I can tell this story. When we, when we planted Fellowship of the Rockies, four families came from that state that we speak of no more. And, uh, and like we literally left everything. There was a man in Pueblo who was instrumental in bringing us here and, and gathered up a core group of people and, and all of those other things, and he worked really hard. And so we all moved. And, and Karen, the, the girls came the week before our first public worship service was Easter of 95. And so we've lost, we'd left everything, jobs and family. And we'd left, I mean, we had believed God for this and, and this promise. And, and we did the first worship service at, at, at uh 
at Memorial Hall, and it was, I mean, it was over the top, and people met Christ, and it was exciting. And after that service, we're, we're like celebrating. And this man who was instrumental in bringing us here, who, who was the man in the community and gathered up all these people, these people knew him better than they knew us. He came to us at the end of that service, looked us in the eyes, and said, I'm angry, I'm mad, I'm picking up my toys and going home. Fact is, on Monday, I'm going around town, I'm taking my name off every legal document, I'm telling everybody that I want nothing more to do with you or Fellowship of the Rockies. Done. I quit. Yeah, we felt like that. It just kind of sucked the wind and like, how are we even going to make it? I mean, we have just left parents and grandparents and, and jobs and all the, on this vision and this dream that God had planted in our heart. Now the instrumental person just pulled out. He didn't just pull out. He pulled out angry out. And now he's going around town saying some not-so-nice things about us. Well, as you can tell, we survived. But here's what it taught us. Here's what it taught us early on. This is God's church, not any man's church. If it had been a man that started this church, then that thing would have failed then. Because if a man has to start it, then man has to sustain it. And for us, even though that situation looked horrible, even though that situation looked bad, it did, it did something in our heart. It did something in our spirit to where when we continued to grow and we continued to survive, we said, you know what, God? Thank you for this because we now know this is your church, not our church. Because if it had been his church, we would be done. We would be headed back to that state. We would not have survived here. And so when you look at this, sometimes God, listen, God uses situations and circumstances in our life because it's in those circumstances and in those situations that it forces us to focus on him. It forces us to trust him. In that situation, we knew, listen, this was God. Nobody could have done this but him. He uses those situations in your life. The last thing is, is, is this, is, is the Lord, the Lord, the Lord that pursues me, that he is the one that pursues me. The road is not always smooth, and it's not always straight. But the scripture says that he pursues us. I mean, when you have Ruth the Moabite out in the field, she's trying to get grain, and, and God desires for every person to be redeemed. Even Ruth the Moabite. He, he began to pursue her and began to working behind the scenes. I mean, when you look at Ruth, it's a story of redemption. It's a story of forgiveness. It's the story of God pursuing people when people do not even have a clue. I mean, we've got the greatest story to tell, the story of redemption, the story of salvation. I mean, Ruth, Boaz, and Naomi, listen, they have no clue that thousands of years later, we're going to be talking about their love story. We're going to be talking about what's going on. Can I tell you this? Some of you in this room, you have no clue the influence that you have around you. You have no clue how you're influencing people for him around you. And when you look at this story of redemption, you realize that, that God is the one. God is the one that pursued them. And God is the one that pursues you. There's a lot of people that will say, you know what? I found Jesus when, no, you didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. The scripture says he goes after you. And he hunts you down. 
And he may put people around you. He may put situations around you. He may have people around you that invite you to church, open up scripture to you, say they're praying for you. That, listen, that is him. That is him that is pursuing you. The, the biggest story I ever heard about this was this lady that was in our, that's, that's still in our church. And, but, it, but this happened like 15 years ago. And she came to one of the Easter services. And she actually got mad because she didn't want to follow God. And she says, you know, I got all these people that invite me to church. So I just decided to come to church and just, to, just to get them to be quiet. And then I came to church and there's something going on in my heart. And so she's mad about that. And she came into my office and said, and she said, can I meet with you? Yes, we scheduled a time. She comes in my office and says, I'll, I'll meet with you as, as long as you don't pray for me. That's how it started out. So I just told her, you can't stop me for praying. I'm praying for you right now. <laughs> I just said another one. <laughs> and so she started on this path of following God, and she was in horrible circles. I mean, she, it was one surgery after another, one, and she was doubting the goodness of God. And she had to fly to California for some medical treatment and then come back. She's, she came back, and she's, she's like, you're not going to believe this. There were people on each side of me going. Both opened up their Bibles, and they're reading their Bibles. I'm like, really? Coming back, same thing happened, except for one lady says, hey, how you doing? Is there anything I could pray for you about? And she says, I don't even allow my pastor to pray for me. I'm not pr- you're not doing that. <laughs> Through that, she accepted Christ. And we baptized her as a church. It took a circumstance, a situation in her life to realize God is good. And God is, listen, the last chapter of your story has not been written yet. Trusting. Trusting. God is good. God loves you. Even if the circumstances say something different. Trusting. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?